And welcome to Comics Exchange, your friendly neighborhood podcast. I will be your host, Mike D. We have the majestic Ryan Shipley. Majestic this week. You flatter me, sir. (laughs) And of course, the owner of the physical uh, Comics Exchange, that would be Mr. Bill Langford, our liege. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yes, of course, of course. It'd be weird if we did this without you, since we uh, <laughs> since we record this in the store. It would be so weird if we just make you sit in the corner and watch us. <laughs> you know, I could always take the Ed McMahon role just off the side. <laughs> And just, yeah, exactly like that. Just laugh and uh, give you the yes, sir. He had the easiest job of anyone, right? And uh, and then he also, wasn't he the publisher's American publishing house with the giant it, checks? And he the, was one of those because it became... Uh, one of those uh, Mandela effects where they were like he was not ever it with the giant check. He it never, wasn't Publishers Clearinghouse, but it, there was, a co- I think, a company that, that he, he did. Yes. But when you hear that, you're like, no, sir, I remember him going to old people's houses with that giant check. But it's like, no, that never happened. Never happened. Hey, there's a new Mandela effect that I saw recently. Uh, it messed with me. Apparently, Chick-fil-A spells the word chick uh, correctly, like just like the word chick. And I thought it was always misspelled. I was, that was shocking to me. It's not C-H-I-C? Apparently it's not. <laughs> Can you imagine if there's huh. like impacts that change the world, but it's all just tiny stuff like that and not like major things. That's how time travel works. <laughs> yeah. I went back and killed Hitler. And now Chick-fil-A is spelled differently. Look at that. Butterfly effect. And obviously a lot of the Mandela effects happen just because people are, re- are just refuse to admit when they're wrong about something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought um, I thought Stouffer's made stovetop stuffing, but appar- <laughs> apparently it's craft. What? There is no, no Stouffer's stovetop stuffing. That's not right. Um, I just hope nobody was listening to this driving their car because they probably went off into a ditch. <laughs> wow. I hate to crush dreams, but there it is, out in the open. Man, I did not know. That. And it started because they thought Mandela, Nelson Mandela, had passed away like in the 90s or yeah, something. Yeah, like he died like, in prison. Yeah. And I know which is what I remember. Yeah. Because I was I in, living in Germany when he got when he got uh, released. Because hmm. I had never heard of him, and it was like the, all over all the papers. Hmm. Send up? in your favorite Mandela effects. Oh, yes, too. please do. <laughs> <laughs> we actually don't have an email address. We need to correct that. Uh, so anything interesting happening in the shop this week? Any little uh, fun stories or anything like that? Um, it was pretty straightforward this week. Uh, nothing really super special. Um same thing with the news. Nothing really happening in the news this week either. Just kind of DC still turning their wheels and uh... DC's turning their wheels. Um, Ezra Miller has. Oh yeah. Uh, is, they're trying their best to save the Flash right now. They've supposedly have met with um, DC executives to try to like uh, say, hey, you know, we went a little crazy. It's just a weird spot. I don't know what I think DC should do here. It is difficult because they have a lot invested in the Ezra Miller business. Yes. But um, every time you turn around, it seems like there's a different headline. And yeah. And you, you just want to say, like, Ezra, please. You know, yeah. it's... Something Ryan mentioned uh, last episode was that the Flash movie is actually testing very, very well. Is it? People like it. But this could be, like, maybe they get some redemption here because uh, we were talking in the shop earlier, uh, Bill and I, with some uh, lovely ladies, uh, Zantana fans. Um, that Robert Downey Jr. was just in as bad a spot as Ezra Miller is right now. Like, remember he got found in some stranger's daughter's bid? Hmm. Just he had, uh, I guess, climbed through the window. He was drunk. I did not know these details. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Marvel was still uh, sticking with him, so. Well, there you go. There's a perfect example. The precedence has been set already. Hopefully this getting, uh, getting arrested for burglary um, is this is only the, the first act for Ezra Miller. Slow news week. Well, maybe we should take this time to spotlight why it's such a fantastic idea to have a file, particularly at the Comics Exchange. Well, there, there's benefits, you know, you're not going to miss an issue. What else we got here? Well, there's um, we offer 20% off discount for all new comics. And that also includes your back issues, action figures, toys, merchandise, T-shirts. Um, and like you said, it's a situation where if you're going to be out of town for a week or two, we're always going to pull the book for you. Uh, you don't have to worry about coming in on a certain day at a certain time. Uh, you show up, the book's in your folder, and you get the discount. It's really, I mean, a win-win. And not only that, but as a store, from our aspect, it helps us tailor our orders. We can uh, look at the numbers of orders that we have on certain books, how many people pre-ordered it in their folders, and then base our store order off that because most people don't know this, but comics are non-returnable. 
for the mm-hmm. most part. There's a few that are returnable, but once as a store, once we purchase them, uh, they're ours. Mm-hmm. You can't uh, you can't return them. So we want to make sure we we narrowly tailor those orders. There's been a couple of comics in my life where I wish they were returnable. I saved my receipt. It wasn't good. Uh. I always thought it would be a good idea if you had a, uh, a movie theater to where you could um, you could walk out of the movie at some point and get a prorated amount uh, of your... Like 25% into the movie. So if I'm halfway through the yeah. movie and I'm like, you know what? Uh, Richard Gere's just bombing in this and I want my money back. Yeah. You could walk out halfway through the movie and get half of your ticket price back. Huh. I saw Morbius on a plane, walked out. Just grabbed a parachute and just jumped out. <laughs> um, so now, when they get when they get uh, like a folder, is there a minimum number of uh, titles they have to have to have a folder? So there's not now to get the twenty percent discount. I think it's seven titles a month, okay. which isn't bad. That's less than two a week. Yeah. But um, we have, for instance, we have people that just get spawned every month in their folder. Okay. And uh, we pull it for them. Um, the only difference being it's just you don't get the twenty percent discount. And is it hard if you? have a book on your file and decide like you know it's a new creative team or you're just not really digging it is it hard to take off titles no no as a matter of fact you can uh you can email us text us uh, go through our social media director ron shipley <laughs> and um contact us and well you know we'll just take it right off the folder so it's not an issue at all we we generally um have enough customers to where we can if there's something you don't want we can put it on the rack and somebody out there does want it and you can do likewise with that. There's like a certain cover you want. Correct. So if there's you see a, an upcoming cover you forgot to order or a book that someone's talking about, um, you can contact us directly or indirectly, and uh, <laughs> and we'll put it in your folder. Like for instance, Spawn. If you want all Todd McFarlane covers, we have some people that do that. We have some people that do you know any covers that have uh, dinosaurs. Really? Um, oh yeah, yeah. All kinds of special requests that we get. Oh, they must love Spider Rex. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> or uh, I got one gentleman; he collects anything that has a skull on the cover. Now he doesn't count. Um, he doesn't count Ghost Rider because uh, Ghost Rider always has a skull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or Punisher. Oh, but any other because Punisher pretty much always has yeah, a skull yeah, on the yeah. cover. But any other skull. But covers any he other wants? skull covers, he'll he'll buy. So yeah, we get all kinds of special requests, and we have no problem whatsoever fulfilling those. For me, like when I was on the other side of the counter before I owned a comic book store. I enjoyed com- going to the comic store on Wednesday because that's when all the new comics are out. Yeah. And it's just different when you see them in person and it's different when you can kind of flip through them and kind of decide if you want to buy it or if you're not interested in it and uh, more so than just looking at them online and clicking a button. Yeah. And it's cool too that you don't have to put some money down ahead of time. Like you would have to do for like a video game if you wanted to reserve it. Yeah. Just to say, hey, can you make sure that Spider-Man or Spawn are in my folder and you do it. Yeah, yeah, almost like a library. You know, you have a library card and you uh, you reserve a book and the librarian pulls it for you. And uh, we're like that, but much cooler. Much cooler. It's also convenient because things in the comic world can be a little unpredictable in that, you know, an issue might have something happen in it that no one knew about and then it instantly sells out and it's mm-hmm. just gone. You can forget about it. So that, that security of having that there is, is also nice for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and when I was younger, the issue was um, you had to get your mom to take you to the Winn-Dixie or the Kroger or the 7-Eleven to get the comics. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, she went on a Wednesday and sometimes she went on a Saturday. And so sometimes the book would be there uh, Uncanny X-Men 281 and you'd go back a couple weeks later and there's no 282. And then, you know, you may find a 284 here in a month. Uh, so as a kid, that was the aggravating part was just trying to find some consistency so to have now in today's world a comic book store to where I don't have to worry about going to the Woolsworth. <laughs> <laughs> I just like saying Woolsworth. Yeah. But uh or I don't have to go worry about We're going, not old or I nothing. Don't like going, yeah. I don't have to worry about going to the, the Kroger or the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. Um, it's it's good for kids today. I mean, it's kinda of sucks that kids will never ever be able to go again into a gas station and see like a, a spinner rack. Right. But then again, they're not gonna ever have to worry about like having the issue that you did. As a matter of fact, probably thirty years from now kids won't even be going to gas stations yeah. anymore. And, you know, everything's gonna be electric, you know. So And speaking of like a good segue to one of the things we're talking about today, mm-hmm. um, what was the first comic that you remember uh, picking up yourself? Ooh, man, that's difficult. I think it seems like it was right around the Mark Silvestri X-Men era. Okay. I'm not positive, but 
it was probably close to like around the stuff with X-Men and Marauders, maybe like around X-Men 230, 240, somewhere in that ballpark. I distinctly remember buying the Sylvester cover with Wolverine where he was uh, crucified on the big X. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. yeah. It's a good run. That was a famous, uh, famous cover. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't recall exactly which one was the first comic I bought, but I'd almost guarantee you it was an X-Men from the Mark Sylvester run, and it was probably bought at Lane's Market on Saundersville Ferry Road in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. <laughs> Lane from here owns a market? No, no, no. It was, it was an older couple, and they had a centipede video game, and I would uh, I would get a dollar from my dad, huh. and uh, sometimes two, and um, I would be able to go down there and sometimes play a game of centipede and buy a comic book. Nice. Yeah. I think for mine, the first the first one I ever bought myself was um, when living in Texas. We were on the base, and there was like the uh, the little YMCA, and they would have weekly uh, where you could come, pay a couple of dollars, watch a movie, get some popcorn, everything like that in the YMCA. Nice. And my parents gave me the money, and I was so happy. But I stopped at the little commissary, which is kind of like a Weigel's. And there on the rack was um, GI Joe versus Transformers number one. <laughs> and as a kid, I was like. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. So I bought that and I bought like a drink and I basically hung out outside of the YMCA for a few hours uh, and just basically rid my G.I. Joe Transformers uh, first issue and drank my drink. Wow. Yep. Sounds like a great, great afternoon. A great afternoon. And uh, that was such a good miniseries. Who ended up? Uh, who ended up winning? Was it G.I. Joe or Transformers? The reader did. That's a great. Yeah. <laughs> the reader won. Well, of course. Um, I think I think G.I. Joe and Transformers ended up by the end of it. They got a they an together. alliance when they realized, mm-hmm. hey, the Decepticons and Cobra, we got to watch out for them. Yes. Yeah. I think that's where Megatron got a new body. They took him out of the gun body and stuck him in a tank, if I recall correctly. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, I, I guess that's... that would make sense because it would be weird looking just to see somebody transform to a gun and then just fall to the ground. Yeah. It's, <laughs> for me, um, I, get, I can definitely remember my very first comic, uh, which my grandmother got me. She was really teaching me how to read when I was very, very young, and it was a green arrow. For some reason, oh. she, she got oh. me the green arrow comic. Okay. You'd think I'd have more of an attachment to Green Arrow because of that. And I, I keep trying, but eh, I don't know. He's Just right. never like really never dug really any of the Beyond the nostalgia. But the, for the first one I ever bought for myself later when I got back into comics, I'd have to say it's probably the McFarlane Spider-Man stuff. Ooh. One of the very early ones I picked up from a Kroger. I was flipping through. I was like, ah, I was bored in the store with parents. And I saw the art, I think it was. And I was like, what in the yep. world? It just stood out to me so much. And the rest is history. Was it the um, amazing run with him? It or? was. It okay. was like, not long into it either. I think it was the Hydro Man one. Oh, that's a great cover. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, it was a great time to get into Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Spar- uh, McFarlane does the best Spider-Man. I love the His the eyes. The eyes and the webbing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's famous for the spaghetti webbing, right? Oh, yeah, that definitely. Yeah. I wonder how long it takes to draw that. It's so intricate. Yeah. It may be quicker now with digital, but, uh, uh, right, but back right. then, yeah, I bet it was time-consuming. Copy and paste some webs. And I loved him as a kid, too, because he would hide a spider somewhere on the cover. So it'd always be one of those things where you were trying to find the spider that he did on the cover. Yeah, almost like, what was it, Mad Magazine with Alfred E. Newman's and the the Playboy with the bunny, I think. They had the bunny and all the... Yeah. I read the Playboys for the bunny covers. That's what I read them for. I gotta find (laughs) this bunny. It's like a Where's Waldo. I'm gonna take this in my room and I'm gonna find this bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it's... um, And Gru would do kind of that kind of thing too. Like They would always have hidden messages and... Mm -hmm. I think it was this what this is the hidden message would somewhere be somewhere in the comic book. Yeah, he'd usually work at like some trees or something or a village shack or and, and thank God this was before the internet. So like every twelve issues or so in the letters page they would say, Hey, here were the uh where it was hidden in the last couple issues. Oh, that's great. So yeah. he actually gave the answer. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. some of those books you'll be looking through going, It's not in here. It's not in here. <laughs> I can't see the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I can never do those things. No, I've tried, and uh, I feel like the guy, uh, was it Mall Rats? Mm-hmm. You know, and the kid comes up, he's been trying for like three days, and <laughs> yep. then a little eight-year-old comes up and is like, it's a sailboat. <laughs> and he just kicks the whole thing down. He's like... <laughs> what were those called? Magic eyes? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, maybe. I could never do them either. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't. I, couldn't. I, I felt jealous. At one point, I decided that all the people who said they could liars yeah like this is my first conspiracy theory i was like they're lying they can't see anything no they just want to feel you know it's like when you had that friend who's like i can solve a rubik's cube you know and you look at it he's changed all the stickers off of it you know it looks (laughs) 
you're like, you're like oh, you didn't solve this. You just it's move ins- the stickers around. It's insane when you see people that can take a Rubik's Cube in their hand and finish it in like 10 seconds. Apparently, it's a pattern. But it's still how fast I they know. do it. It's still incredible, but it's 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 like, you know. 16 left, 4 right, 3. It's like, mm, I yeah, feel I good if that. I can get the mm. peg game at Cracker Barrel down to like the last two pegs or so. <laughs> it's difficult. Sometimes you're an ignoramus. You know? <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Speaking of Spider-Man, huh? Speaking yeah, of Spider-Man, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Ryan Shipley had a great idea as we we're putting the show together of the uh, the old character spotlight. We're going to shine a spotlight on a character. It's going to change from uh, episode to episode, but we're going to give you our favorite run and our least favorite run from the comics of this character. And we went with Spider-Man today. And uh, I don't know. Let's let's kick. And there's in. a reason why we did Spider-Man for the first one. Uh, there is. It's a recurring theme of this episode. I think old Spidey. Yep. It's because, um, we'll talk about it later, our pick of the week, but yeah, there's a reason why we pick Spider-Man. Not just because I'm a control freak and I pushed for it. I was like, <laughs> it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and also, everything that we talk about in here has been collected by this point. Um, we may have it in the shop, and if we don't have it in the shop, Bill, sh- you're usually able to order like collected editions. Assuming it's something still in print. If it's in print, Bill can uh, try to get it for you. But yeah, we could have it here probably in a couple of days. You probably don't want to order the worst runs, but if you do, maybe get them just to burn them. I don't know. <laughs> Bill, <that's> like... <laughs> a statement. Yeah, yeah make a statement. Um, who wants to kick this off? You oh, go for, okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the classic run of Spider-Man that you have to always give props to is the original run, the first 113 issues by Stan the Man Lee. Um it's insane the amount of characters uh, that was created in those 113 issues. Um, they're collecting a lot of that right now in some Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man omnibuses that look really nice. The paper is really good. Um, and that first run does have my favorite story. I think it's issue 33 and 34 where the building has um, collapsed Collapse. on Spider-Man. Classic. Um, yeah. I think they've kind of uh, paid homage to it in the movies. Um I think that was like the first comic I can remember reading like a reprint of that and just like being freaked out for Spider-Man. Yes. Um, I really liked, uh, I'll just do one more run here. Um, I really liked Mark Millar is not a writer. I always dig, Mm -hmm. but he did a 12 issue Spider-Man story um, back in the early 2000s. I think Terry Dobson was on the art. He did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it was basically Spider-Man kind of, fighting through all his villains. Um, it was Marvel Knights, wasn't it? Marvel Knights, yeah. yeah. Uh, really good story. Gorgeous art. I forgot who the second art. I thought there was two artists on the book. Um, but yeah, it's a really good Spider-Man book. Um, no, I, I do recall that one. That one was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Terry Dobson doesn't do a lot of like work anymore, does he? Does him and his wife? They still occasionally do okay. work, yeah. yeah, yeah. They do a lot of covers. More covers and interior. Yeah, but yeah, no, that was a good. That was a good book. No, that was and then uh, what was your uh, least favorite run? Least favorite run is J. Michael Shavinsky's run. <laughs> um, <laughs> the worst story to me. It also had the art by Mike Diodato Jr. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Diodato. Yeah, uh, there was a storyline where they retconned it to where Norman Osborn had kind of blackmailed or forced Gwen Stacy to have sex with him uh, and uh, uh they had children uh, <laughs> it's the worst story j michael stravinsky also brought us the spider totem and i just do not care for the spider totem nonsense it was a, it was it was an idea because you hadn't really thought about all of, most yeah. of spider-man's villains being from the animal kingdom yeah 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 but uh but yeah i agree with you maybe it, it was it, just how it was done it, well and it didn't really progress anywhere no and i like j michael stravinsky when he's writing stuff that's not licensed. Like, I loved Rising Stars. Mm-hmm. I heard Babylon 5 is great. People love it. But I really cannot stand his Spider-Man run. And it ends with one more day, doesn't it? Oh, I think I it does think transition into that. Right, where, where he makes the deal with Mephisto. Where he makes oh, a deal boy. with Mephisto to void out the wedding. Yeah. Or the marriage. Um, but it was to save Aunt May, so it was, it's, all, yeah. it's all cool. Oh my gosh, it was such a bad storyline. Uh, I kind of yeah. like the totem stuff. What was the villain's name that was hunting him? Morlin. Morlin. Yep. I and thought Morlin was kind of cool. Wasn't there also was Ezekiel was in that too? But Ezekiel oh, that is where Ezekiel came Ezekiel from. helped Spider-Man, right? He was yeah. kind of like an yes. older Spider-Man. Um, 
But yeah, and, and people didn't like it because I remember I had a lot of John Romita Jr. art. Right. Um, yeah, that yeah, pe- yeah. People really didn't care for at the time. <laughs> Worst run. <laughs> Thankfully, everybody's kind of forgotten about the Goblin Twins. Right. Yeah, it's kind. Of, they've kind of been discarded to the the dustbin of history. Thank God. Well, um, for for me, uh, and I, I want to echo. First of all, I want to echo Ron's sentiment about the the first the Stanley John Romita Jr. and and um, Steve Ditko Spider Man's. You had a period there. Uh, really unmatched in comic book history where every month you were cranking out these fantastic villains. You know, one month you'd create Sandman. The next month it'd be Dr. Octopus. You know, then the Lizard, then Electro, then Craven, then Mysterio, then Green Goblin. Mm, and wow. it, was just, yeah. it was just a litany of, uh, of incredible... Uh, and it was still happening up to the end of the run. Uh, Morbius in 101 yeah. or 102. Yeah. I mean, there was, a, there was a big break after Kingpin around number 50, and they didn't really create a lot of new characters after that. But yeah, you're right. They, they went out with the bang and then uh, in, into Jerry Conway, and you had the Punisher. And um, But... Uh, I'd also like to say just a, a shout out for for one particular story. There was a well, two really, but there was um, a run Superior Spider-Man, where it was uh, Doc Ock had taken over for uh, Peter Parker, and I tell you, going into the series, I didn't expect much, and a lot of people were kind of down on it because it wasn't Peter Parker and it was somebody different, and initially the fans were skeptical, but as the uh, the story played out. It was kind of cool to see Spider-Man in these situations. You'd seen him in a dozen times before, but it's not Spider-Man. And then there was also a series of Spider-Man, I think it was Startling Stories. There was another one with um, that Flowers for Rhino story. But um, but yeah, it was just, a, it was an awesome Rhino story. And it was, you know, Rhino wanted to be super smart. He'd always been kind of the dumb Spider-Man villain. And in the story, you know, he gets his wish. And then, of course, you find out it's, it's t- a take on Flowers for Algernon. And you find out that, of course, it's not everything it's cracked up to be. And uh, Rhino, at the end of the story, realizes he was just he was happier being the Rhino. And he doesn't need to be super smart. No. Um, but it was just one of these great um, one of Spider-Man. Like I said, just he has such a great rogues gallery. And um, and to, to flesh out some of those villains and, and some of these one shots, it was fantastic. Um, so those those would probably be the two that I would recommend be Superior Spider-Man and that, that Rhino story. And I think the Superior Spider-Man was uh, Dan Slott and Herberto Ramos. Okay, so it was Dan Slott. Yeah. yeah. I think that was like his last before he left the book. Okay. So Somewhere around there. Was he doing Amazing and Superior at the time? I think so. I don't know if they just renamed Amazing after Because I think it was eight issue 700-800 is where it ended with Doc Ock taking the body. And then I think they relaunched it. I just don't remember if they launched it as well, amazing it, or superior. It was incredible because he had planned it out for years beforehand. Because I think an issue like 700 they had where the transfer was starting to take place. And you didn't even realize that Doc right. Ock was. Yeah. And so yep. this was like the long con. The thing that makes me so happy right now is there's people out there that are listening to this that are screaming the answer into them. <laughs> listening. You know they are. Uh, surely. Surely. Yeah. We need that Flowers of Eldron thing for us to remember Spider-Man's history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So any uh, stinkers that stand out to you? Well, I hate to say uh, stinkers, but um, probably growing up, my least favorite uh, Spider-Man series was uh, Peter Parker Spectacular. But now, now, that being said, um, you know, a lot of it depends on the time and and the writer and the artist and, and different books go through different creative phases. And you have peaks and valleys in every book. But to me, um, I was more interested in Web of and Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and Peter Parker, I mean, it was a fine book. It focused on a lot of the secondary characters, and it, it wasn't so much. But when you're a kid on a budget, um, you want if you buy a Spider-Man book, you want Spider-Man in it. Mm-hmm. And not so much J. Jonah Jameson and Peter Parker. <laughs> right, right. Um, but like I said, I, I don't really want to... Uh, this any any Spider-Man run, I, I, there's been merits to pretty much all of them, but that was be one that stands out from from my childhood. The Tombstone, uh, like a like a well, Tombstone was harassing Robbie from the there's, from the Daily Planet. There's <laughs> that, and yeah, and, and uh, the Cloak and Dagger, and it you know it was it was it was more of the like I said the kind of the B and C list characters, and yeah. which would be cool if I if I could afford all the Spider-Man books at the time. But uh, but when you're working on a, a three dollar budget, you know, you, <laughs> uh, if I buy a Spider-Man comic, it needs to have Spider-Man in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that adds up. 
Uh, I'm going to go with something I mentioned earlier, uh, that McFarlane run uh, with McLaney, I believe is how he yeah. said his name, up until when uh, Bagley or Bagley took over the art. That, that whole run, that was just so cool to me. That was me kind of getting back into comics again after being uh, in it as a little kid, and it felt fresh. There's just something about that McFarlane stuff that felt very of the moment uh, mm-hmm. of that time period, and uh, very forward-thinking with the art. I just absolutely loved it. It felt fresh. It felt like it was, you know, for me almost, I guess you could you could say. Right. Um, that was really cool. And it really left a legacy. I mean, people still draw the webs like that, and when people see those big, giant eyes, they, they think of him. So that, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And not to sound too cliche, but I was never much into the the, the clone saga. It just felt creatively yeah. bankrupt. Okay. Uh, you know, it just seems like they'd lost their steam and were just throwing stuff at the wall. It just didn't feel like there was much inspiration there, I guess you could say. So that, that one didn't do much for me. It's been kind of interesting seeing, like, how many people have come out of it, like, now loving, like, Ben Riley. Right. That reminds me of the Star Wars prequels. Back then, people hated it, but now there's a certain nostalgia for it from those certain people of that age. Yep. Yeah, it's it's weird when some people come in the store, and if they're of a certain age, Phantom Menace is their favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I say the same thing. Do they still but, get uh, to do subscriptions or folders through you, or do you kick them out? No, no, it's not a deal breaker. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Um, so you're okay with the Jar Jar being I usually draw the line at something like Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that'll, get you <laughs> kick, that'll get you kicked out real fast. Any Rob, any Rob Schneider film. And it was so good that they made two of them. They did that somehow two. that movie made enough money. It wasn't good, but it made enough money that there was two yeah. Deuce Bigelow movies. Yeah. Like they said, we need more of this character. Deuce. I, I, you know, one word, cocaine maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's hard to figure out. I guess there was lots of the early 2000s yeah. maybe, or late 90s. And yeah, it's a crazy time. The Night at the Roxbury was going on. and um, But yeah, yeah, it's a, it was a different time back then. Oh yeah, they... Well, they did so many SNL characters. So it's many. Pat got a movie. Pat got a uh, film. Um, it's like a one-note joke. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so have you ever kicked anybody out of here? Does anything come up where you're like, get out of here? Yeah. It's only happened maybe once. Usually um, my line is you can say goodbye to me or hello to a cop. Oh. Huh. And, uh, <laughs> and that usually that usually turns around and they walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had, I think, one person, and I think it might have been more a situation of mental illness, sadly, mm-hmm. uh, right. where yeah. he was uh, going up to baby, going up to a customer and ask him to hold his baby. Oh, and uh, and it's just uh. it, was, it was real awkward, and and the gentleman he had he had he was in here with like two or three kids, and so I, I just politely asked the gentleman to leave, and so there hasn't been any any nefarious uh, <laughs> uh, situations. I think maybe once or twice I had to. Um, tell someone not to come back in for stealing. Oh, but, yeah, um, no, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as far as like physically asking someone to leave in the moment, not so much. Luckily, if somebody stole the JMS run and I saw them stealing it, I'd be like, you know, they're gonna pay for this in their own way. In a, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. in a in a karmic huh. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's so weird. Yeah, when somebody asks you to hold a baby, you just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's weird because he was he was using like a, a fake foreign accent, like oh. he was uh, like, "Hey, can I hold your baby?" Oh. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was real obvious too. It he studied even... the Mario games to nail his accent. <laughs> <laughs> he was... yeah. and, uh, but uh, but like I said, once uh, I asked him to leave, he you know there was no problems. He he left. That's good. Yeah. He's like, maybe so. next door they'll let me hold a baby. <laughs> he just wanted to hold a baby. Yeah. It's... Hey, never give up on your dreams. <laughs> uh, we've all got our uh, specialties here at uh, Comics Exchange. Uh, in fact, I was dubbed the collector over on Ryan's other show. BRBFK, you were, yes. Uh, yes. In re- regards to toys, I've got... I've got a couple. I've got a few. And uh, we're going to use that here at the podcast to do a toy spotlight. Dun, dun, dun. Toy spotlight. Fantastic. Great. And I would like to talk about the Todd McFarlane DC multiverse figures. Okay. Oh, those are great. They're great. They're, uh, I wasn't sure at first because, you know, McFarlane in the past has had his issues with uh, some 
quality control maybe and uh, you know some limited articulation but these have just been spectacular and he casts a wide net i mean in some cases we've gotten alternate versions from specific stories that we haven't even seen the original version of the character with like wonder woman for example uh, and there there's a huge output for these things they're available at retailers like target and walmart preferably comics exchange or other mm-hmm. local shops that you can yeah, buy them yeah, from yeah. Always, always try to do that out there in the world find your local comic shop and support those guys you know uh, much Definitely. like comic exchange but no no they um he's got a fantastic uh, line of sculptors too the people who, uh, mm, who yep. sculpt for him and, and he's always been known ever since uh mcfarland was doing i guess spawn figures really he's always been known for having the best sculpts in the business but like you said his problem was more in the articulation department mm. they're almost like little plastic statues that, that you could barely move um and they broke a lot but uh, here now, it seems like the DC figures, uh, he's really focused on much better articulation. They don't, uh, they don't seem to snap as easily. Um, the paint jobs are immaculate. The sculpts are phenomenal. He's really, really, and if anything, if you remember how toys were in the 90s, they were kind of lame. Mm-hmm. Like when we yeah, were yeah. kids, you know, you had like five points of articulation, the arms moved, the legs moved. Uh, and he really uh, enforced everybody's toy game to, uh, to kind of come up to par and to match his because uh, he was just killing it there with the spawn stuff for so long. And you noticed uh, once he did that, it seemed like everybody's toys got a lot better. It really did. He had that, He set that standard for the sculpting. Uh, it didn't just look like a toy for kids anymore. It started right. to look more like the art on the comics pages. And he really, oh. he really did influence everything that came after, by all means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And those are two, like the, to avoid like the, um, the people that just go and buy up everything. Mm-hmm. You can do pre-orders for the toys here. So correct, yeah. We order everything two months in advance. Okay. So I think toys maybe two to three months. Sometimes they're a little further out, but uh, but yeah, we pre-order quite a few toys, and we have people that order um, Marvel Legends, McFarland toys, Mezco One Twelves, Hot Toys. I uh, guess with the McFarland toys and the Legends, it's mm-hmm. it's better to do it that way because usually they're build a characters in there too right ah uh, yes yes so correct like the, for instance the latest wave we got in i think was from thor love and thunder it was the build a korg uh, wave which the korg is fantastic <laughs> if you ever if you get a chance but uh but yeah so what they do is they will include a piece of a larger figure uh they'll break it into six pieces and they'll include a piece in each of the six different marvel legends in that series so it kind of it kind of Pokemon's you to where you want to catch uh-huh. them all. Yeah, yeah And yeah. you're like, well, you know, you're incentivized. You're like, well, I've already bought four out of the six. Yeah. So if I get two more, I get I can get both the legs and I can finish them. And so it's a sales incentive, but it's a great sales incentive because it, as a collector, it gives you an extra figure. Um, and it's usually a larger figure that will scale up to your smaller six-inch figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the builder figures, it's usually a figure like a Sentinel or Apocalypse um, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a larger figure, and uh, for the I think the, the Love and Thunder Wave, it was it was awesome. Korg. Huh. Hey, who started doing the Builder figures first? Was it uh, Hasbro with the Marvel Legends? Was that where that started? I think did Toy Biz. I don't oh, think yeah, to- I can't they? remember if Toy Biz did. I think they were still doing the including the comic right. in the back. But I think you're right. I think when it switched to Hasbro. Um, they started incorporating whoever's idea was surely got a raise. <laughs> right. there's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, because now you see it all, you know, all the time you see build a figure pieces. Mm-hmm. And I guess the reason too, it's good to get it through you. is like, there's typically at least one of the figures that's kind of less smart, you know, less made. There's like a character that they don't make as many, uh, of. Mm-hmm. So like you could have like, Oh, I got five of the six, but I can't find the six part any anywhere. Right. So, so if you get it through you, you're, <clears throat> You're you're guaranteed to get the six if you order like a box, right? Right. Sometimes they'll do, and it's I think it's called short pack, and they'll short okay. pack a figure. Yeah. And so, for instance, you'll have a case, and there'll be two Luke Skywalker's, two Darth Vader's, two Obi Wan's, but only one R two D two. And so the R two D two is the short pack. So a lot of times people pre order exactly for that reason, like you said, they want to make sure that they're guaranteed that they get, you know, the the main figures, but also that short pack figure. Yeah, the, the short pack is usually like the deep cut character. I mean, R two D two is obviously not a deep cut. No, no, no. But yeah, like usually it, it's like like Sleepwalker was in one it, of the last Marvel Legends. Right. A lot of times it'll be kind of like a uh, like Spider Ham or a Full Killer or you know like you said yeah. kind of a, a, a D lister. No offense to Spider Ham. <laughs> I'm glaring at you right now. I can tell. Um, <laughs> and if people order through you, if they have a 
folder, they also get the 20% off those figures. Correct. That's which on, awesome. Yeah, which on figures makes a huge, because figures have gotten so expensive, as you know, you know, 20% makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah, you're talking about like $5 off, $6 off a figure. And yeah. I've got to recommend the pre-orders personally because these days, I mean, with gas being what it is, driving around from Target to Walmart, Target to Walmart, uh, it really gets old. You know, there's no Toys R Us, so you're really just rolling the dice out there these days. So if there's something you care about, by all means, get that pre-order in. I tell you, let me ask you, why do you think someone doesn't open like a dedicated toy store? I like think... A, you know, a, a, and it doesn't even have to be like as, as wide and varied as Toys R Us, but a, a store that carried both vintage and a decent selection of new toys, um, I think would do well. But it would be a, probably a very limited audience. You think so? Because Toys R Us seemed like they had a broad audience. Toys R Us also went bankrupt. They did, but, you know, they had those huge, massive stores, you know. I'm just thinking maybe more of a kind of um, a boutique-style uh, store where it's, you know, something about this size, like 33,000, 4,000 square foot, but just strictly dedicated to toys. I think that the torch has been passed to independence, um, places yeah. like this. Yeah. Uh, and I went to Nashville to see SummerSlam recently, and we visited three uh, dedicated toy shops that were independent. Oh, so wow. I think video games really, really ate into the popularity of toys. Some like Toys oh. R Us, you know, you've got, you've got dolls, you've got bikes, mm-hmm. you've got uh, whatever, fidget spinners, whatever, right. whatever the big trends are. But, but action figures, I really think, bit the bullet from video games big time. So it has become kind of niche in a way. You know, you don't have kids these days getting excited about the new star wars toys so much or indiana jones but or can't you uh, but can't you buy action figures at a GameStop? you can but I, th- I think the audience is a little yes. older i think it's more you know people in their 20s 30s our age yeah okay. which, <clears throat> <laughs> but typically like GameStop, in the store you're only going to find really funkos i mean you'll find some uh What's the Star Wars Legend series uh, called? Black series. Yeah. In the Black series, they'll have some of those. But they have um, some exclusives every now and then. Do you find a lot of toy collectors coming in? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's why I was wondering, you know, if a dedicated store might not do well because mm. I noticed, especially an uptick when Toys R Us closed down. Mm. Uh, because at that point, I think you really only had Walmart and Target. Mm. So um, anything that they didn't peg or they didn't carry. Uh, we had people come in looking for even even stuff that they carried but they had been wiped out by speculators and uh, resellers um people would come in the store looking for those now when people come in to sell toys have you uh come across any cool toys recently so i buy a lot of toys um it seems like the stuff that i I focus on now i get a lot of people that sell stuff out of package oh okay um which is kind of cool but it's, it's hard for me to resell out of package stuff but I'd bought a toy collection a while back, and um, I, to be honest with you, I didn't think there was some out of package stuff, and I didn't think it was going to be very valuable. It, to be, it was a, uh, it was some stuff from Dungeons and Dragons, the Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, really? From back in the eighties. Oh, wow. Okay. And a bunch of Doctor Who action figures, and had a bunch like out of package. Of, out of package, and yeah. it, it, I bought the entire collection. This, this stuff was out of package, and I ended up sticking it on eBay, just figuring, well, I want to get rid of these these loose toys because I don't have any place to put them in the store. Yeah. And the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, within 30 minutes, I had two people contacting me wanting me to end the auction early. Hmm. Which, for any, of wow. you e- for any of you eBay sellers, let me give a piece of advice. That's the first sign that your auction's about to blow up. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Because what they'll do is they'll try and contact you wanting you to end the auction early for a cheap price because they've seen so many of these auctions, they know your auction's about to go for a lot of money. And yeah. they, if they can preempt it by getting you to end the auction early for them, they figure they get a good deal. So once I got two offers like that, uh, I was like, oh man, it's on. Huh. And, uh, and it turned out, it turned out in those D&D figures, I had a three-headed dragon called a Tiamat dragon. Yes. And the Tiamat dragon was only available mail order. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in the 80s, you had to, I don't know, eat four boxes of grape nuts or whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever the, the, the thing was, how they incentivized you to get the box lids and, and mail it in and wait six to eight weeks, which felt like six to eight months when right. you're 10 years old. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... In the same way with the Doctor Who figures, they turned out to go to a gentleman in Australia. Uh, they were very rare. I had like crazy, like different colored Daleks and canine oh, right. huh. uh, units and like five or six different doctors. And um, But yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's crazy. The stuff that you think sometimes won't, isn't going to be worth anything will turn out to be the most valuable stuff in the collection. Hmm. Yeah. And I remember that when they, had, they used to do that with G.I. Joe. I think you collected the battle points. Oh, yep. And yep. then you mm-hmm. could send them in for, I think it was Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Uh, William Perry, the Fridge Perry. <laughs> yep. And he came with like uh, 
like a spiked football, like on a chain. Yep. Like it was almost like a nunchucks. Uh, I think I forgot about that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get hit with that, by the way. Ow. <laughs> it's, just, that's Bing. A, it's amazing. <laughs> well, you may have noticed if you listened to our first pilot episode, it was a little loosey-goosey. Uh, we were just getting to settle in and let you guys uh, get familiar with us, but we're going to uh, rein it in a little bit with more recurring segments. Another segment we're thinking about doing regularly is the Book of the Week. Yes. And we're also going to be asking if you like this podcast and you want to be on it, you know, uh, comments, like, let Bill know. We would love feedback, any feedback. We're going to start bringing, you know, we're going to bring in people. This is their your your podcast. Yeah, if you have ideas, we would love to incorporate them in the show. So definitely let us know. Yeah. And some of you will be on the show. You'll be sitting across from us. Oh, well, my gosh. Right. Yeah, it's nerve-wracking. In the hot yeah. seat. Yeah, Bill sometimes winks at you. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of exciting a little bit. A little I'm being under the table. Yeah, if it's a little footsie. You know, you'll like it. You'll like it. It's <laughs> only once. Yeah. Um, but uh, book of the week. Uh, I think for me, the book of the week is Amazing Fantasy uh, number 1000. Uh, Marvel's done some weird math to get to it, but I'm okay with it because I'm not good with math either. I bet they use some common core math. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's really solid. I flipped through it before we started recording. Uh, the Neil Gaiman story looks awesome. He's written himself into the story. Uh there's a few panels that have been going on around today about Spider-Man having self-doubt and not sure he wants to still be Spider-Man after all the stuff he's been through. Um, it looks like it's going to be a, a, I don't want to say a fun book, but a right. really good book. Uh, great covers for it. Um, it's a little bit more than a normal book. I think it's eight ninety nine. Seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine. Okay. Um, That's not too bad. Not too bad. I no. mean. For the amount of talent they have in this book, like I said, Neil Gaiman is in it. And it's, wow. I think it's like 68 pages. Or oh, it's, yeah. it's like the equivalent of like three comic books. So It's a big book. It's Jonathan book. Hickman, yeah. uh, Dan oh, Slott, wow. really good creators. Um, I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I ordered a bunch, so I hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And that's not why I said that no, it's no. my favorite book of the week. We're trying to move product here. <laughs> Spider-Man's double dipping. Didn't he just have, what, a 950 or something? Dude, anniversary okay, so like two yeah. weeks ago. We've had this year, we've had Amazing Spider-Man number one. We've had Amazing Spider-Man 900. <laughs> We're having Amazing <laughs> Fantasy 15. And in uh, October is the new Dan Slott, Mark Bagley, uh, Spider-Man number one. Yeah. So Marvel's taking advantage of the 60th anniversary. Yeah, no, it's Spider-Man's one of their big cash cows. So. Yeah. We need a spider cow. Ooh, I'm saying that. There you go. That's a could be a million dollar idea. <laughs> All right. Um. So I would pick my book of the week, Fantastic Four, Full Circle. Ah. Um. It's cool because it's a it's a hardback that Alex Ross has been working on. I think for maybe a couple years, a year or two. Oh wow. And uh, he writes or he writes it, draws it, and inks himself, which is kind of cool because Whoa. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. It's a hardback. Uh, I haven't seen one out of the shrink wrap yet, but I'm excited to see one out. Wow. Um, but it's one that I've been looking forward to for, I guess it's been advertised for over a year now. How so. long has it been since he's done any interior? Oh, man, it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so I know he did some of those prestige books like uh, Superman, uh, War, on, uh, War on Crime. or um, And that's or been War a minute. Yeah, that's been a while. Yeah, but he doesn't do a lot of interiors. Wow. So yeah, he's yeah. just basically been doing covers. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to sit out here just being Owen Wilson for a minute. <laughs> some wows. Uh, no, it's incredible because if you've ever seen his uh, his artwork, it's all painted. And a lot of times he would use models and, he'd, you know, they'd dress up and he would paint. But, um, but yeah, this is something that Fantastic Four fans and Alex Ross fans have been looking forward to for probably over a year now. And to see it finally come out, like I said, it's really exciting. And what's the cost? Twenty four ninety nine. That's not too bad. Yeah, and I think there's two versions. I think twenty four ninety nine, and it's a hardback. And oh, okay. uh, and I think there's a forty dollar one where it's maybe in a slip case also. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's that's probably uh, my book of the week. And hey, twenty percent off if you have a twenty percent off. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's five dollars off. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Mike? What would you uh, would you pick for this week? I always like to get the word out there about Wonder Girl. I think this is a series that's kind of flying under the radar. People who know know how great it is. Um, I came across Yard Floor in I think it was Future State. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it was. Just came across maybe a random issue, and I just I just thought it looked great and read it. And I've been a fan ever since. It's a great comic. It's very consistent, 
And uh, I'm going to go with the annual. I, I typically kind of shy away from annuals a little bit. They're a mixed bag. They are. You never, you never really know. Uh, but this one tells the origin story of her Pegasus, Jerry. And that <laughs> sounds great to me. And I'm going to recommend Wonder Girl just as a concept, but this annual specifically. So there you go. Cool. Yeah, great choice. And that's going to be one of our recurring segments, the old book of the week. And uh, we always like to do some suggestions out there as well. Anything we might be into, we want to get some awareness out there. Any, any suggestions from, uh, from the table today? Um, I would probably suggest the new, and I guess I think we're going to talk about it next podcast, but the new She-Hulk show ah, yes. on, uh, on Disney+. Plus. I've heard nothing just in the comic store. I've heard nothing but but positive about it, and which is weird because there was a lot some negative talk when the show was announced and the casting was announced. So, and I know fans can be kind of particular with some of the stuff, mm. but uh, but once you see the finished product, that's usually kind of the proof is in the pudding moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the, the feedback on both that, and let me give a shout out to Sandman also. Yeah, the feedback on both those here in the store has been uh, nothing but positive. Oh, it's so good. I just finished uh, last night. The um the Hob story from Sandman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do it so well. They do the episode is the first half is introdu- introducing death, mm-hmm. and the second half is the Hob story, like going through the centuries of him meeting up with Hobbs in the in the end. Yes, and it's phenomenal. They do it. It's so from page to the screen. It's I'm, I'm fantastic. so ex- I'm so excited that people are going to get introduced to the endless and. Uh, I hope people just don't immediately pick Death as their favorite one because <laughs> because there's so many other cool siblings in that family. Yeah. That's true. But uh, but Death is, is of course, Who's she, your favorite? She, she's awesome. I, I kind of like Delirium because she's always just a little bit off kilter. Yeah. Um, and she seemed relatively harmless, but uh, but uh, but of course, you know, they they focus so much on on Death with uh, the miniseries High Cost of Living and Time of Your Life that you know she has she has more back material, so it's easier to get into her. Mm. But um, but yeah, I, I always kind of like the the art direction on Delirium, like just the way they drew her. And, mm, right. You know, there'd always be like these little fantastical things around her, and you know, it's just kind of a cool design, also. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I mean, I like them all. But <laughs> if I had to pick, it would probably be Delirium. Um, I'm going to pick this week. I just started. I watched the first two episodes. If you're into sports at all, there's a documentary series on Hulu called Welcome to Wrexham. It's uh, about when Ryan Reynolds and uh, I can't think of his name right now, Mac from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they buy a uh, a soccer team from Wales, hmm. uh, Reckham uh, AFC, I think is the name of the team, and it's basically the documentary of them buying this league, what the, buying this uh, team, what the team means to the town. The town's basically been. Uh, I forgot regu- regulated, relegated, like, relegated <laughs> down yeah. and relegation can really hurt a town because like yes. football but- is very, very big. Right. It's just like football in Texas, I guess is like how big it is like in Europe, like the soccer yes. for us. Um, but it's about this town and their hope that these two guys from Hollywood can bring in uh, the attention and the excitement that the town needs to get their football team thriving again. It's it's a fun documentary. I don't think you need to know much about soccer because they do a really good job in the first episode talking about regulation and how it they kind of put it with the the, the Yankees yes. where like if you just have a bad record, right, you basically start sliding down from the professional down to the AAA for us to the minors to basically where you could be like playing against uh, high school teams. So is it is it a legit documentary or is it like a mockumentary? No, it's legit because they so, okay. they, so they just, really they really bought this. They team. really bought the team. Yeah, they had wow. something where they had to get seventy five percent. The town, the town um, owns the team because they've had really bad management after a few after it's years like of the being Green, so. Green Bay and the Packers. Because yeah, Green Bay owns yeah. the yeah. So they had to get seventy five percent of the town to agree to let them become owners to buy the team. Um, and the first episode is basically them preparing their pitch setting up like the town the team and everything like that mm-hmm. and it looks like they're coming from a good place like ryan reynolds is already like more than just an actor he has like a, a vodka company he's got a mobile phone company <laughs> so he's like putting his uh, deadpool money into look different at, uh look at <laughs> wade wilson yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but it's funny part because uh, Ryan, uh, for the, the guy from Always Sunny, says, you know, I have TV money. 
but I'm going to need to do this. I need a partner. I need somebody that has movie, movie. money yeah, and yeah. superhero movie money at that. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty good. It's, uh, I think, good. like six or seven episodes uh, on He's Hulu. Hulu? Okay. Yeah. Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah. Uh, you guys have uh, strayed away from specific comic books on your suggestions. I think I'm going to go with the video game myself. Nice. I'm going to go with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Cowabunga. I think it's... I want to say 16 games. I think that's right. Right around 16, starting all the way back with the original NES game. Have there been that many Turtles games? Oh, there's more than 16. Yeah, there are. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, It's got that. It's got the original arcade game in Turtles in Time, which everybody remembers and loves as four players. It's got the Game Boy games. It's got Super Nintendo games. It's got a fighting game I didn't even know came out. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it, it's, it's pretty comprehensive. It cuts off, you know, before Nickelodeon got it around the 2000s, but uh, it's got so much fun stuff in there, stuff I've not even played, so I'm looking forward to digging into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection. Cowabunga. I think it just came out today. It did, in fact. Oh. Did you already it, pick it up? I did not. I'm going to grab it <laughs> when I get home. I think it's at a good, reasonable price, too. Yeah, it's not for, especially for that many games. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's for like every system, too. Every, every system that exists is out there, I think. Yeah, I remember as a kid watching uh, where you... To pick up a foot soldier and throw them at the screen yeah, and great. going, it's never going to get better than this guy. <laughs> this is the pinnacle of gaming. Yeah. Hey, what's everybody's favorite turtle? Oh, Michelangelo. I was going to say Mikey too. No, we we can be both me Mikey's. Golly, you took a... Uh, no, no, what would you say, Mike? I, I don't know. For me, I always like Leo. No one ever says Leo, I think, but I always like Leo. He's, He's kind the of Cyclops of the Ninja he Turtles. He kind of is. Yeah, yeah. If you're graphing it out, he probably finishes fourth. Hey, he's got to keep it all together, though. Somebody's got to. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what do we got coming up for our next episode? The She-Hulk review, right? We're going to review the first three episodes. And we're going to have our first guest on the show, Oh, we right? have a guest. Correct? Do we have to dress up? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, more so than now. I mean, I'm already wearing the tuxedo shirt. <laughs> You do look dapper. It's a, you know, I, I'll bring the top hat next week. But yeah, I think, uh, and Mike, you have a special relationship with this guest, don't you? I, oh. I do. We, we go back a little ways. We're, we're good buddies, you might say. Do you want to uh, do you want to reveal now who our guest is, or do we want to wait? Let's let's wait. Let's okay. be a surprise Looky for there. all the people out there in the listener land. Our very Ooh. first guest. Talk amongst yourselves who you think it is. But is it Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles? <laughs> <laughs> it's Leo. Mikey's, Mikey's got two votes. Leo's got one. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll also have all sorts of good stuff like the character spotlight, the toy spotlight, the book of the week, all kinds of stuff we're trying to get going here for you guys. Uh, I don't know. I guess we're pretty much wrapping it up today. We've, we've hit everything on the list. Yeah, I'm so yeah. thankful we're wrapping up because we don't we don't have the air conditioning turned on right oh, now, and it's getting hot. This it is, is the sacrifices we go through for the listeners. I just want the listeners to know the sacrifices we make for them. It's a, it's difficult, but you know it's it's we're willing to put up with it. Exactly. Well, I'd like to thank everybody out there checking out the show. I want to thank, of course, Mr. Bill Langford for giving us a shop to record in. Uh, I'm Mike D. I'm Ryan Chipley, and I'm Bill Langford, and we will see you in the funny book. See you later, guys. Bye.